Mana 3 Media. For nearly 15 years, Branches has been the place to go to find help for mental, behavioral, and emotional needs. We also have become more and more aware of how closely those things are attached to our physical well-being. And that's why Branches is also a place to turn for wellness. Branches weight loss, wellness care, and med management are important components in the overall ministry and message that Branches has to the Good Neighbor community. We encourage you to turn to Branches to find healing and hope in the midst of a very difficult and hurting world. Let's face it, the world is just a messy place. There's probably not one of us that hasn't heard a lesson or some information at some point and said, hey, with all that's going on around me, what difference does that make? I'm Dr. Mike Courtney. I'm a counselor, a lifelong recoverer, a husband, a father, a business owner, a grandfather, and I love to ask this question, what difference does that make? Welcome to What Difference Does That Make? This podcast is dedicated to helping people live healthier, happier, and holier lives in what sometimes is a very difficult and messed up world. And speaking of being difficult and messed up, mm. I'm here with a great friend of mine, uh, the producer of this podcast, David Wilkinson. Hello, David. Hey, Mike. How's it going? It's going good. It's good to talk to you. It's always good to talk to you. <laughs> Got a little we, giggle there. I don't know why. You have... Uh, one time you named me the king of the segways. I can segue from anything to anything. Yeah, man. You're, you're really getting good at it. <laughs> uh, it's great to see you. It's great to see you. Uh, hey, today's be, episode is way different. It's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be out of the norm. And I hope it's okay. You know, we've, we've laughed and giggled. So let me get really serious here for a moment. David, in all honesty, I hardly ever, I'm, I'm pretty kind of, uh, self-effacing person. I, you know, I don't take myself too seriously and I enjoy our podcast. I enjoy producing things, but I don't, I don't begin to see myself at all as a world changer in any way. I will tell you that a couple of months ago, God gripped me with a, with an idea, with a message that I feel like is important. And, uh, and so I, I, uh, preached at my church. I spoke about a month later for a group of men. Mm -hmm. And this actually is, it's that message, but it's the one for where I spoke to a group of men. Um, it's So it's a little shortened, abbreviated, refined maybe. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it is a message for our time and our day. And if I've ever in my 40 years of preaching, speaking, producing content, if I've ever felt like God gave me this message, this is the one. This is important. Okay. Wow. That's great. Um, then it's then I think it's important that we're putting this as one of the podcast episodes. Yeah. Good. We usually do an interview. We usually do a teaching. This is different. It's just a message. The title is A Different Kind of War. Okay. And I, I, I think it'll be pretty self-evident as people go through this that that God is saying to me and perhaps saying to us that we need to take up arms. We need to go to war. 
but we need to do it in a right way. We've we've we have either not fought a war at all, or we fought it in totally the wrong way. Mm. And God is saying, "Hey, I want you to be uh, onward Christian soldiers, but I want you to do it with a heart of love and passion and compassion." And so I'm I'm looking forward to our listeners hearing this message that I spoke to a group of men at a at a a, a big church in our area. Uh, not long ago. And again, the title is A Different Kind of War. Different Kind of War. Good. Well, before we go to that, Mike, let's do my segment. Speaking of going to war. Yeah, we're going to go to war on this one. (laughs) This segment, uh, we affectionately refer to it as Ask Mike, and I'm going to reach in. I've only got a couple left. Okay, good. I was hoping it would be that one. So There's the, you do the the sound effects just so great on that the crinkling paper and oh that <laughs> sounds so good on these microphones. Here's the question. It's a really easy question. Okay, good. I have no idea what the answer is. Okay, good. I'm sure I don't either. The question is simply, why do you do what you do? Oh, that's good. Uh, I could guess. I uh-huh. could say, oh, you know, I've gotten to know you. You probably like to help people. Like, But yeah. I would love to know from you as the person who you founded and built branches and you work with people on a regular basis. Why do you do what you do, Mike? Um, that's a good question. There's lots of lots of potential answers. Let me go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, my mother would sit on the edge of my bed when I was a young child. And uh, of all the things she would say, the thing that she said most often and almost every night, she would say, make sure that your life matters. Make sure that you help people. She would say that to me over and over and over again. And David, I don't, I, I don't mean this in any derogatory way about somebody who, who makes a ton of money good for them i wish my mom had said that to me make sure you make a lot of money i wish she had said that but she didn't she said to me that's not what the that's not what you're about that's not what's important make sure that so i have never really been able to be comfortable doing anything other than trying to help people trying to make their lives better in some way and uh, you know I don't I don't know if, I don't know if I do I don't know if I've made much of a difference but I know that I will that I'll die trying that I'll continue trying to just brighten people's day in in some way so that's that's why I do what I do I would say specifically about this and and you were very and honestly, you were very instrumental in moving me into this kind of arena. Um, that I just, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. You know, I just, I don't, I don't do things like I used to be able to. You know, go out and speak a lot and travel across the country and do that kind of thing. I'm just, I'm too old for that. So, finding a way to to introduce people to the good news about Jesus in a fun way, and to do it. From, from my own office is, uh, this has been a great, a great blessing for me. But it all comes back to, I just, I genuinely want to help someone. I just, just one person, I want to help someone. That's great. I love that. Well, you are a helper. You've been a helper to me. Well, um, I'm, I, I think that this podcast is helping people. And I'm sure um, 
this sounds like a segue, but in all sincerity, I'm sure this message is going to help people too today. Well, I appreciate it. All right, Mike. So before you get to that message that you shared with those men, uh, tell people who are listening where they can go to learn more about you, about branches, about all the things that we are wanting them to learn about. Oh, good. I will tell you at the beginning of the year, you know, people have a a word sometimes that God gives them. And the beginning of the year, it felt to me like the word that God gave me was content, that this was a year that he wanted me to be uh, busy producing content, to try to help people with content. So I, I've written more than usual. I blog a lot. I've written a few books. I've, I've, uh, I've done that more this year. This podcast was certainly a part of that, In interviews, videos, those kinds of things. Um, I, I found out a couple of months into this, and then you start thinking, has anybody listened to this? Does it make any difference? I found out a couple of months into it, the word wasn't content. The word was content <laughs> that God ah. is saying, you just write the stuff and be content with whatever happens. It's I'll take care of that. So uh, the place to find that uh, content uh, and make me content is uh, branchesblog.com branchesblog.com. It's a website, all one word. Uh, you'll find blogs there. You'll find videos. You'll find podcasts. You'll find uh, sermons, those kinds of things. Um, and, and hopefully, speaking of helping people, hopefully it's fun and there's some help there. While you are there, uh, one thing that is a great blessing to us is if you would sign up, uh, you can you subscribe. That way, when uh, new content is produced, uh, you'll be notified of that. So branchesblog.com. Easy enough. And yeah. of course, I'll put a link in the show notes as always so that people can just click it straight from there if that's how they'd like to do that. But uh, this is going to be an important episode, I think, Mike. Yeah, thanks, David. Yeah, uh, a different kind of war. Uh, so let's get started. Well, thanks, guys. It's good to see you all. I, some of you I know, some of us have been friends for a while, and uh, and some of you I don't, and I look, look forward to getting to know you. Uh, I love your church. I love your pastor and your pastoral staff. It's one of the great, uh, there are a lot of great churches, but this is one of the very significant churches in uh, in our community, and, and partly because I have some really, really close friends that that go here and, and apart here, and so you minister to them, and I'm I'm grateful for that. So thanks for letting me, thanks for letting me be here. It's good to be here with you. I grew up in the church. Uh, my father was a, a pastor. He pastored tiny little churches. If we had 40 people, it was Easter Sunday, and we were giving away a bicycle. That was a that was a big deal <laughs> to have. Uh, and so we we moved a lot from tiny little church to tiny little church. Um, my dad, like a lot of pastors of small churches. My dad could do anything. He could he could take apart a 57 Chevy and put it back together again. He knew computers when they were Commodore 64s. I mean, he, he could do anything. And he could do construction stuff. And so every time we would move to a little church, my dad would take on a a project that he would do and, and, and you know remodel the church. And usually about the time he finished the remodeling, we'd move someplace else. Uh, so we moved to Rock Hill, South Carolina, and they had a, uh, they did not have a baptistry. And my dad decided he, he would build a baptistry in the church. Had a great plan. There was a room behind the, the platform, 
And so he said, we can knock down that wall. We can put in a baptistry. There's still enough room that we can build another wall and, and have a smaller room, like, like a little dressing room or something. And so it's a great plan. Dad started working on that. And it's just is great. And um, like, like sometimes pastors do, he got a little bit ahead of himself. And he announced that we're going to have our first baptismal service ever in that church. And it, and it wasn't quite done. The thing wasn't quite done. Everything was finished except that wall in the back. So on Saturday night, Dad went out to, to Kmart, I guess, and he got one of those big rug tapestry things and, and nailed that up. It was like a velvet Elvis or dog shooting pool or something religious, you know, and, and nailed that up, and that was the back wall. And so Sunday morning came, we we're going to have our first baptismal service. Well, we were so excited. The church was packed, had 40 people, it was absolutely packed. And uh, and Dad did his first baptism service. Two people, I'll never forget, two people to be baptized. I always called them Brother Smith and Sister Jones. They sat right down front. Time came for the baptismal service. Dad baptized Brother Smith first, and an elderly man, and baptized him. Everybody clapped. It's just great. They're so excited. And then it came time to baptize Sister Jones. Sister Jones was what we would call in the South a healthy woman. And... Uh, <laughs> And my dad, my dad, by the way, was a, was a tiny man. My dad was much smaller than, than I was. And so he went to baptize. He also, by the way, is, he cannot swim a lick, deathly afraid of water. So he went to baptize Sister Jones, and her feet slipped out from under her, and all of a sudden there's two feet sticking straight up in the air. She panics, and she grabs the first thing she can find, which is my dad's necktie, and now he goes under, and there's four feet sticking up in the air. He panics and grabs the first thing he can find, which is that tapestry. And it comes down, and there's Brother Smith in the suit that God had given him. And it had not been ironed for a long, long time. This was long before the days of Michael Jackson, but he picked up a folding chair and moonwalked his way out of the... <laughs> this great story is growing up in the church. We we did move a lot. I, I don't know if it was... I don't know if it had something to do with small churches or just geography or or maybe my family. I don't know. But we moved a lot. And one of the things back then, when you moved, you had to fight. You know, that just was part of the deal. You just move into a new school and you have to fight. You have to, you know, you have to see where you fit on the pecking order. You know, you who you can beat up and who can beat up you. And, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd beat up one or two and then I'd get beat up really quick. And so I kind of knew. And that, I mean, before you judge me, there was tough girls in the school that I went to school with. So, so you know, I got, I'd get beat up real early and in the fighting thing. But it's just what you did. You just kind of, you just, you just fought. By the way, the way they handled it back then was completely different too. You got in a fight, and the gym teacher would say, okay, you want to fight? Just let's go in the gym, put on boxing gloves, and just beat the crap out of each other. I thought, this doesn't help. I, you know, I'm, I'm getting beat up in recess or get beat up in the gym. It doesn't, it doesn't help. It doesn't make a difference. I'll never forget one of the fights. It was kind of a defining moment for me. A kid by the name of Larry Thompson. Uh, we were walking home. We had just moved to Rock Hill, South Carolina. We had just moved there. Uh, I have I have had four sisters. Uh, one was not in school yet, so two younger sisters, me, were walking home from school, 
and Larry Thompson and a couple of cronies slipped in behind us and began to call us names. They began to begin to make fun of us, you know. I became the epitome of of God's disciple. I said to my to my sisters, don't pay attention to him, just ignore him. What would Jesus do? Blessed are those when men persecute you. All the things that fifth graders would say. I just I said all those things to him. And then he crossed the line. He said, and you are a skinny four-eyed sissy. Which come to think of it was kind of true. <laughs> I, I was I weighed about probably 65 pounds at that time. I was about four feet tall. By the way, Larry Thompson was about 5'10 and weighed about 140 pounds at that time. And uh, I had glasses. And I was pretty much a sissy at that moment. I was kind of, but it just something about that. Just cross, and I, I'm not taking this anymore. And I turned, now my dad had taught me what your dad probably taught you. When something like that happens, what you do is you go right at that bully and you, before he has a chance to blink, you hit him right square on the end of the nose. You get the first punch and hit him right square. So I, man, that's a great plan. It is a great plan. I wheeled around. I went right at him. I hit him right on the end of the nose before he had a chance to blink. And he went, that was it. And then just proceeded to beat the daylights out of me. I thought, what kind of plan is this? It doesn't, this is not a good plan. I learned on that day that you have to fight, but there are different ways to fight. You know, there's just there's there's different there's different methods, different I became pretty quick-witted. I learned to talk fast. Uh, I, I developed a sense of humor. You know, I fought a lot of fights from that moment on in a whole different way. Just kind of trying to be funny, trying to, I, I became a fast runner, lots of things, you know, just different ways to fight. I want to, I want to, I want to share with you a, a premise. I told, uh, I told Pastor Dave, uh, I, have, I have a premise I, I want to, I'm working from, and that is about half of us in the room don't fight. And the other half fight in the wrong way. And so I just want to talk to you about, about a different kind of war for just a, a, a little while. And, uh, and we'll see what happens with that. There's a story that is that what we call the triumphal entry or, or Palm Sunday. It is, that, it is that moment about uh, five days before Jesus will actually be crucified where he rides into town on a donkey and the crowd, the same crowd that's going to be yelling crucify him at the end of the week is now saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You, you remember that story? Let me, let me read it to you really, really quick. Uh, it's found in it's a couple of places, but Matthew chapter 21. Actually, it's found in it's one of the only stories. You know, there are only 10 stories in the life of Christ that are found in all four Gospels. There's only 10 of them, and this is, this is one of them. So it's a pretty important story. Matthew chapter 21, uh, beginning at verse 1, down to 11. Now when they drew near Jerusalem, when they, Jesus and his disciples, when they grew, drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, uh, Jesus sent two disciples ahead, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey 
tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, Lord, my Lord has need of them, and immediately he'll send them. All this was done that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, the prophet is Zechariah, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey, the colt, laid their clothes on him. Jesus sat on uh, the donkey, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. They cut down palm branches from the trees, spread them on the road. The multitudes who went before him, were they cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. It's a really important story with a couple of small little nuances in there that I think speaks volumes to how we are supposed to live out this uh, this battle that we are in today. A, a couple of things that are they're so obvious, I don't want to insult your intelligence by bringing them up again, but, but just a reminder. There are two things that happen. One is he rides on a donkey. Uh, now, a king would come in very often on a, on a, on a, on a, a Budweiser stallion. I mean, you know, the, he, he'd be on a Clydesdale with the, with the Budweiser Dalmatian running in front or whatever. I, you know, he, normally that's how the king would come in, particular the con, particularly the conquering king who, who this is, this is I'm, I'm strong, I'm large and in charge, I'm, I'm the victor. The king would come in that way. When a king came in on a donkey, he was signaling, signaling that he was a king of peace. Uh, and very often he was signaling that I'm coming, kind of hoping that we can, we can uh, not have war, that we can come to some settlement, some agreement. So Jesus comes in on a donkey, not a, not a stallion, on a donkey. But the people say, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name. That is not some idol. That's not like Yahoo or Yippee or, you know, attaboy. This is a very specific technical word. And when they said this word, they knew exactly what they were talking about. This Hosanna means save us, deliver us. This is the word that was reserved for those kings that would come in that were going to set the, the nation free. And, and for 1,500 years, they have, or for about 700 years, they have been saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, hoping that this guy, you know, well, it wasn't Obama, maybe it's going to be George Bush, well, it wasn't George Bush, maybe it's going to be Donald Trump, wasn't Donald Trump, hoping that this guy is going to be the one that says, Hosanna, Hosanna. So, here's, here's Jesus coming on a lowly donkey, and the whole crowd saying, let's go to war. Let's get out of boy. This is the one. You see the dichotomy in that? Isn't that kind of interesting that, that these two things were taking place? They're saying, there's going to be a fight. There, there is going to be a fight. I have, a, uh, I have three grandsons. Uh, my youngest grandson is about 15 months old. And uh, I get to keep him a lot. It's fun to, to be in the town with him, get to keep him a lot. And, and uh, Caleb, 
I'll say, Caleb, let's fight. And Caleb, he'll dive on me, and we roll and roll and roll, and then I'll hold him up and say, yay, Caleb is the winner, Caleb is the winner, yay. And the crowd is saying, let's fight, let's get it on, let's, let's go to war. And Jesus is saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. But it's going to be different from what you think. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look different. Comes in on a donkey, they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So, um, I, I want to just... I want to just say to you that we are in a fight, that, that we are in, in a battle. That we are, and I, I'm not telling you anything new. You know this, but, but we're in a war. The Bible is full of fighting words. It's interesting how many, how many fighting words are in the Bible. Let me give you just a few. These are, uh, there's a whole lot more. The, the Old Testament is particularly full of them, but here's, here's some New Testament words. Uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy 6.12, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 2 Corinthians 10.4 is a very familiar fight song. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, are, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Ephesians 6.13, therefore put on the full armor of God that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. And, and the reason you put on the full armor of God is Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Here, here's what I want to say to you, brothers. When, when we accept the call to follow God, it is a call to take up arms. We are drafted into the greatest army that's ever been amassed. We, we are called to battle. We are saying, you know, the, the MMA Let's go to war. We're, we're, we're called to go to war when we accept that call. I, I grew up singing songs like onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. You know, I grew up in a church of 40 people, about 30 of them little old fat ladies with gray hair, and they're singing onward Christian soldiers. I'm thinking, <laughs> we're going to get killed. We're gonna get, we're gonna, it's going to be awful. It's going to be awful. Uh, we are called to, to fight. Um, let, let me give you a, a, just a couple of, uh, and, and I am not a, I, I am not a uh, alarmist. I, I am not a conspiracy theory kind of person at all. And I, and I take most headlines with a grain of salt. But here's a couple that in the last few weeks have just popped up that just made me made me think about this. Uh, one, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge basketball, college basketball fan. Don't care for the NBA, but I'm a huge college basketball fan. Love the NCAA tournament. One of the great heartbreaks of my life was a year ago when it's canceled. Really? You canceled? They can't do that. Uh, but then this year, the, the NCAA tournament. Well, we do a, this is probably not a good thing to say. We do a, a uh, pool at branches. All the godly counselors get together and wager. 
uh, and, uh, and bet money on who's going to be the NCAA. Ter- My wife has won two years in a row. She has won this two years in a row. She has no clue. I said, what do you do? She said, I pick the colors of the uniforms. I like this color better than this color. She's won two years in a row. I'm about ready. I'm going to soccer. I'm going to start supporting soccer. But uh, you remember when the NCAA tournament was going on and, uh, and Oral Roberts was doing really well. Oral Roberts University, which, by the way, they knocked my Ohio State Buckeyes out in the very first round. So I hope those suckers never play basketball again. But... It, that's, it wasn't for that reason. The, the media went wild about this fact that Oral Roberts should not even be in the tournament. USA Today ran an editorial. Now, it wasn't an editorial. It was an editorial. But they gave a lot of print to it and a lot of space that said this university with its bigoted, prejudiced, homophobic ideas should not be allowed to participate in the NCAA tournament. What are the bigoted, prejudiced, homophobic ideas they're talking about? The things that we believe. You know, what what calls us together as men of God? Now, I am not here to say Oral Roberts should or shouldn't be in the, in the NCAA tournament. Well, I am here to say they should be in the NCAA tournament. I'm not, but I, 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 what I am saying is that kind of headline five years ago you would have never seen. And now that's just kind of a... That's just that, that, I, I, You could tell me more stories than I could tell you. You've, you. You see those things all the time. Here's, here's one more. Lil Nas X, uh, I just like, because I know his name. He's just one of my favorite rappers. <laughs> I don't even know what rap is. Uh, Little Nas X, he, uh, he uh, came out that he was going to uh, remake some Nike uh, tennis shoes, uh, and they were going to be Satan shoes. Uh, they're going to they're gonna have uh, Luke uh, 12.8 in it, is it, I think, the, the scripture verse that I saw Satan fall from heaven. They were going to maybe have a drop of human blood in, in the souls. Uh, he was only going to make 666 pairs. And, and in case you want one, Pastor David, they're going to be $1,028 for a, a pair of, of shoes. We can go in together. I'll buy the left one, you buy the right one. He's a little, little nice ass. He's, he's doing this. I, uh, by the way, we have to be careful because the headline came, out, headline came out and said, Nike is going to do this. Nike was not going to do that. Nike was never going to do it. He was buying the shoes from Nike and, and, and remaking them. <clears throat> I'm not here to talk about tennis shoes. The point is those kinds of things, the things that we thought, oh, I don't never have. You'll never see stories like that. Happens all the time. If you don't think we are at war you haven't been on the internet lately or you haven't read the newspaper lately or you, or you haven't watched the evening news. We are at, at, at war. In fact, not only do we have to not say any longer that we are not a Christian nation, we have to now begin to say we are an anti-Christian nation. That, that, that really the, the, the powers that be are against almost everything that we stand for. Well, I, I could go on and on and on. The, the, the point is that it's time for us to fight. We, we, we need to rise up and, 
and, and enter the battle. It's not a war that started with little Nas X. It's not a war that started at the NCAA tournament. It's not a war that even started on Palm Sunday when Jesus came right in. It's a war that started at the beginning of time. Uh, Revelation chapter 12, uh, the war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon, his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough. The dragon was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to earth and his angels with him. This war has been raging since Eve made the first apple pie. I mean, it, it, from the beginning of time, this war has been raging, but it has, it has taken on a new level. It's, it's reached a new peak. And, and the half of us in the room that are not fighting, it's time for us to, to fight it's time for us to go to war. Here's what prompted all this. Let me, let me confess. I read, a, I read a devotional thought probably three, four months ago. So when Pastor James said, what do you want to speak on? I said, this is what I want to speak on. I told God, if I ever get a chance to speak again, this is what I'm going to speak on. Uh, this is uh, Nikos Karstenakis. Uh, Nikos Karstenakis is the guy that wrote The Last Temptation of Christ, which was really a very good book. Hollywood took it and made a movie that was sacrilegious and, and was awful. But the, but the point of the book was not sacrilegious. But Kostanakis, he wrote this. My prayer, uh, and I, I, I can't read it without a gruff, deep voice. I've always been blessed with this sick little whiny voice. I, I want a man's voice. i got to read it. In a, My prayer is not the whimpering of a beggar nor a confession of love, nor is it the trivial bargaining of a small tradesman, give me and I shall give you. My prayer is the report of a soldier to his general. This is what I did today. This is how I fought to save the entire battle in my sector. These are the obstacles I found. This is how I plan to fight tomorrow. My God and I are horsemen, galloping under the burning sun or in the drizzling rain. Pale, starving, but unsubdued, we ride and converse. Leader, I cry. He turns his face toward me and I shudder to confront his anguish. Our love for each other is rough and ready. We sit at the same table. We drink the same ale on this low, in this low, dark tavern of life. Isn't that, a, isn't that just fire you up and make you want to go to war? I sent that to my two sons. Jacob wrote back immediately. The only thing he got out of it, Dad, I'm so glad to hear that you and Jesus are drinking ale together in the same dark tavern. <laughs> that's, that's all he got out of that whole, that whole thing. We are not weak-kneed, mamby-pamby cowards. We are soldiers. Warriors, we battle for the cross of Christ and the kingdom of God. We are in a battle and we have got to take up arms and go to war. We've got to do that. Okay, isn't that good? Shouldn't I just shut up and go home right now? And that, we're all, oh yeah, it's great, it's good, let's go to war. Well, here's the other problem. Half of us have been sitting around not fighting. The other half of you have been fighting and you've been fighting the whole wrong battle. 
You've been fighting the whole wrong way. So very, very quickly, I just want to talk to you about, about how you fight the war and fighting it in a, in a, in a different way. I think that the, that the story about how to fight comes out of that triumphal entry of Jesus on a donkey with the crowd saying, Hosanna. There's some things that come to my mind as I, as I listen to that story. So here's what I think. I think we fight from the low ground and not the high ground. You know, we're, we're used to, man, I, I don't know a lot about military. I've never been in the military. My father was, I wasn't. But I think the goal is you get to the high ground. You get to the high ground and when they try to charge you, you've got the, you've got the advantage. But we, we fight from the low ground. He, he was humble and, and, and lowly. Uh, we we want to be bigger. We want to be better. We want to compete. We want to have better, better programs. We want to have churches have nicer smoke machines and flashing lights and all those things. But, but he came on a little donkey. He came in a lowly way, in, in, in a lowly place. Someone said, you remember the... Uh, Peter and John at the gates of the temple and, the, and the, the beggar who's lame and he can't walk and he's, and he's begging for alms. And, uh, and Peter says to him, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have we give to thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And someone said, the church no longer has to say silver and gold have we none, but neither can it say rise up and walk. Our, our, our battle was never meant to be fought from a position of strength. It was always meant to be fought from the low ground. Here's the second thing. We fight outside the walls and not inside the walls. I think what you do is you build a pretty strong fort, you know. You get, you, you get more ammo than anybody else. You get more guns than anybody else. You say, God bless me and mom, we two boys, us four, no more. And, and you circle the wagons and you fight from the inside. We have for years been trying to figure out ways to get people to come to us. And that's never been the plan. The plan has always been for us to take the battle out to them. To go. Your church does this great, by the way. I love your church because you do that. y'all. We were blessed a few months ago by you all coming to branches on a Sunday, instead of going, to, I almost said that wrong. I started to say, instead of going to church, that's not right. You went to church by going out. And, but, but, but the battle is always meant to be fought outside. Jesus comes from the little village of Bethpage towards Jerusalem and towards the temple, not the other way around. I, if it had been me, I'd said, Jesus, you know, wait till they ask you to preach on Sunday morning in the temple, get up there, big crowd, start the battle then. But Jesus starts the battle on the outside and comes in. Final thing is we fight to save the enemy and not to destroy him. We're not great at that. Those dead gum Democrats, they are ruining our country. We are just, you know, if we could get every Democrat out of office or those stinking dirty Republicans, they're just destroying everything. We, we, we preach messages, not, not here, but we preach messages about, about how to stamp them out and destroy them. That was never the plan. The plan is to save the enemy, not to destroy them. And we have polarized and villainized and demonized to the point that the enemy, whoever they are, is pretty sure 
We're out to kill their, we're out to hit them on the end of the nose before they can hit us on the end of the nose. That was, that was not the way that Jesus fought the battle. He fought from a low place, not from a high place. He fought from the outside, not from the inside. And he, and he fought to save them, not to destroy them. Does that make sense? So we go on our Facebook accounts and our Twitter accounts and we just rant and rave over these that little Nas X who is right in hell. I hope he dies and burns in hell. That's never the plan. Now, let me be personal. Uh, a few years ago, for those of us who've been in Murphy's world for a while, a few years ago, remember when the mosque came to town and man, we, we went up in arms and we went to the city council and we tried to block them from coming and we, we fought a legal battle. And I kept saying, if we win this battle, we're going to lose the war because that is never what God has called us to do. God has called us to welcome with open arms. Uh, so here's a couple of thoughts and then I'll shut up. If we make sure we take care of us, we lose. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? If we make a name for ourselves, we lose. If we get more stuff than they have, we lose. I saw a bumper sticker once that said, the guy who dies with the most stuff wins. Yeah. I wanted to put one up. The guy who dies with the most stuff is still dead. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 we lose. So how do we fight this battle? We fight from our knees. Remember when Jesus sent the disciples out and they did good things and some of them came back and said, man, we tried to cast out demons. We couldn't do that. How do we do that? And Jesus said, this kind of thing only happens by prayer. We fight from our knees. I, we don't, we're not mamby-pamby whimpering, oh God, help us. I don't know what we're going to do. No, we fight from our knees. This is what I did today. General, give me my assignment for tomorrow. Let me take this mountain. But we, but we fight from our knees. The second thing is we fight from our hearts. It's about love. It's always been about love. I mean, I, one of my favorite movies is Clint Eastwood. Uh, uh, oh, what? Shoot, my mind just went blank. Well, that's a good one, too. I just like all Clint Eastwood movies. The Outlaw Josie Wales. The Outlaw Josie Wales. And you remember there's a scene. They're in a little cabin. All the Indians are surrounding them. He's getting ready, just like two or three women and a couple old men and he's getting them to teach them how to load the muskets. He build a fire so they can put a put an iron in it when you get shot. You just, That's tough. When you get shot, you stamp iron to it. It'll stop bleeding. Ah! Yeah, so my kids play baseball. He gets falls down gets hurt. Ah, just stamp iron to it. You'll be fine. Yeah. And at one point, Clint Eastwood says, listen, when when it gets tough and you don't think you can make it and then you know, on there and you got to get mean. You got to get mad dog mean. I said, yeah, you mad dog. We got to love mad dog mean. We, we got to love in a, in a, in a, a gr I mean, just love till it just knocks people off their feet. We fight from our knees. We fight from our hearts. And the final is we fight with our stories. That's our weapon is our stories, our testimony. Remember Revelation chapter 12, Satan's cast down and now he accuses and, and, and John writes and they, over, and they won the battle. You know, just, when that happened, Satan's cast down, he starts accusing people 
And Jesus starts wringing his hands saying, oh no, what are we going to do? I don't know. I didn't see this coming. What are we going to do? I don't know. No. And they overcame. They won with the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. We just tell our stories from out of our prayer experience, from our hearts of love. We just tell, man, I know that's hard. I, I know, man, I don't know about, about people getting shot. I, I know that's hard. Let me just tell you what Jesus has done in my life and how he has changed things in my life. And we fight the battle that way. Is that okay? Does that make sense? A few years ago, uh, about 10 now, I was uh, speaking at a conference in, uh, in uh, uh, Texas and uh, got finished speaking. And this little old guy came up to me, shorter than me. Uh, he was about 5'10". Uh, I hate to confess, lighter than me. He weighed about 145 pounds, 5'10", 145 pounds. Came up to me, gray hair, kind of kind of walking a little not, not very strong, a little gingerly. And he said, hey, you don't know who I am, do you? I said, no, I, I don't. No, tell me who you are. He said, I'm Larry Thompson. I said, really? Larry Thompson? He said, yeah, Rock Hill, South Carolina. Remember me? Larry Thompson. Yeah. I said, yes, I, Larry Thompson. He said, I, I, uh, somebody gave me a copy of your book. I read your book. I read your story. And it prompted me to get back to God and back in the church. And I'm involved in a church here. And we came to this conference and we just wanted to hear you speak. And I just want to tell you, your story changed my life. I said, man. Took him out behind the church and beat the crap out of him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just made that up. <laughs> That's right. We fight the battle. We, we, we have got to fight the battle. We can't just we've got to fight the battle. But we fight it in the right way. We fight it from our knees and from our hearts and with our stories. And when we do that, the world's changed. And we win. We win. Thank you, guys. Well, that's a little uh, different for me to be tagging on to my own message. But again, I, it, it, I, don't, I, I don't know if I've ever said this. It is a message that God laid on my heart that I feel like needs to be said. So thank you for listening to it. I hope that you'll take it to heart and find that place of service that God has for you, where you can be a soldier of the cross and fight from your knees. I, I hope that you'll fight a different kind of war. Um, by the way, uh, when you do that, you will find that God honors you and blesses you and uses you in ways that you cannot imagine. So uh, good luck with the battle. Fight hard. Uh, stay close to the king and, uh, and enjoy being a soldier uh, of the almighty God. And while you're doing all that, be sure and love yourself today because God does. What difference does that make with Dr. Mike Courtney is part of the Mana 3 Media Network. It is hosted by Dr. Mike Courtney and is produced and edited by me, David Wilkinson. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love for you to subscribe to What Difference Does That Make wherever podcasts are downloaded. Be sure to check out our episode show notes. 
You can learn more about Branches Counseling Center on Facebook and Instagram, and you can check out more podcasts by Mana3 Media, including my own, Dad Matters, on Instagram, at Mana3 Media. That's M-A-N-A, the number three, media. To find out more about Branches, I encourage you to go to branchescounselingcenter.com or call 615-904-7170.